I'm Afshin Ratansi and welcome back to Going Underground, broadcasting all around the world from Dubai in the UAE. Well, what some build is the most important event of our lifetimes finished this week in South Africa. NATO nations like France begged for a BRICS summit invitation, but were reportedly refused. So did the BRICS summit finally seal the coffins of US empire, currency and power. Joining me now from Serbia's capital, Belgrade, is the founder of the think tank BRICS Plus Analytics, Yaroslav Lisovolik. He was previously at the IMF, Deutsche Bank and the Eurasian Development Bank. Thank you so much, uh, Yaroslav. So media across the world, but not in Britain, the United States and the European Union, said this was a big deal in South Africa. The fact that they tried to minimize it, even though India landed on the moon, and that is the eye in BRICS, a sign that they're uh, a bit worried, deliberately not covering it in a big way and uh, even showing the speeches of, uh, of the world leaders that were uh, at the summit? Well, I think uh, there's uh, a lot to worry about in the sense that we're seeing so many countries that are willing to join uh, the, the BRICS grouping that clearly this is uh, set to become uh, more and more influential in terms of uh, the world economy in the coming years. So there's more competition coming their way uh, in, in terms of the competition that is likely to be faced by by the West, and um, I think uh, this is only for the better uh, in terms of where the world economy is headed. This is more optionality. Uh, this is more um, opportunities for, uh, for various countries in the developing world, and maybe for the developed countries themselves as well, if they find the gateways and the uh, possibilities to work together with the BRICS to build a, a more stable and more sustainable uh, international system. But clearly in terms of um, you know, the, the, the signals that we're seeing from the West, especially with some of the issues, such as the common BRICS currency, we've seen a lot of uh, comments coming from the West in, in the past uh, uh, several weeks and the run up to the summit, which means that yes, some of these projects that are discussed by BRICS uh, are worrisome for uh, for uh, the Western observers. Yeah, but those two are connected, maybe. What, what if they just have interloper countries into BRICS, let them in, and then they, they wreck it? You know, I, I really think that there, there are possibilities and there are formats that could be pursued by BRICS uh, to uh, attract and to invite um, uh, say, the develop, uh, development institutions uh, from uh, uh, Western countries uh, to invite uh, maybe later on uh, the leaders themselves from the West to participate in uh, some of the BRICS uh, gatherings. Uh, but uh, this, this format, I call it BRICS++, plus plus, as a format that is separately designed to pursue uh, greater um, cooperation between the BRICS countries and the Western economies, uh, that is something that has to be pragmatic, that has to be grounded in, uh, um, you know, the um, taking into account the interests of the developing countries, first and foremost. And um, yes, I think uh, in terms of the first stages of that kind of cooperation, it may be possible for the development banks from, uh, say, um, Europe or Asia that have Western participation to participate, as well as the Bretton Woods institutions like the IMF, like the World Bank, 
Why no, wait, 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 wait. Clearly, this has to be done in secret. I mean, you know, the the real, the ruble, the rupee, the renminbi, and rand all begin with R. I noticed. Uh, I think you've you've commented on. I mean, if, and of course, if they get the Saudi real, which I think is some are saying is the critical one, destroying this petrodollar, you can't have this with the your old uh, uh, workplace, the IMF involved. Surely, I mean, they will wreck it from the inside. These have to be secret oh, because they're market sensitive as regards the dumping of U.S. Treasury bonds. No, I, I, I disagree. I, I think that um, the BRICS, they have to look at the possibilities of, you know, launching perhaps uh, the next stage of globalization. They have to really be guided by very substantial goals. And if, you know, it is about globalization, it is about a, an effort that is to be led by the BRICS countries for the, the benefit of the global economy, it has to be inclusive. It is already very inclusive. It is inviting a lot of developing countries into its fore. Why not uh, take on board and allow uh, the uh, some of the Western institutions like the IMF, like the World Bank, to participate in the discussions on certain issues, certain issues that have a bearing on the global economy, like, for example, uh, issues that have to do with um, energy security, uh, sustainability, green development, um, boosting economic growth. Um, I think uh, that inclusive approach is is supported actually, I think by most well, of where the were you working? Where were you working when Gaddafi said that he wanted a common currency for Africa? Um, that was um, probably probably I think um, it may have been Deutsche Bank. Yeah. What happened to Gaddafi? Uh, you, you seriously think the International Monetary Fund, seen as the persecutor of the entire global south in terms of debt burdens that are destroying the lives of ordinary men and women and children, tens of millions, maybe hundreds of millions of people, should be invited into the BRICS organization? And isn't that symptomatic that somewhere in the core of this BRICS organization, there is a certain cadre of, I think uh, some call them globalists, that are destroying the real aims of a BRICS new world? Well, I think um, it, it depends uh, really um, this BRICS++ format that I'm uh, trying to advance. It depends on how this format is structured. If this is um, a, a forum that is essentially championed and led by the BRICS economies, the principles of BRICS and the centrality of the interests of developing countries will be taken to, into account. And this is a possibility. I think this broad format that allows for some participation of the international institutions, including the- They're not international. They're Washington institutions. They, um, they are multilateral institutions. And actually, if you look at the statements of uh, the BRICS economies in the past several years, the statements that come after the BRICS summits, you will see that uh, they express support for multilateral institutions such as the WTO, and they call- Yeah, what did you make of that? Because, I mean, clearly the WTO is not functioning at all. I mean, the sanctions, what, the United States sanctions 30 different countries. I'm not sure whether that, where that was in the WTO uh, treaties signed by the United States. Clearly, the WTO 
is dead or is dying? Why, why is China talking about reforms of the WTO when uh, surely most people impartial looking at it will see this as the natural end to what began with the riots in Seattle at the turn of the century? Well, I think uh, China wants uh, to have open markets. It wants to boost its economic growth through more open markets across, across the globe. And it sees um, a reform WTO as instrumental in uh, uh, creating uh, a more um, open uh, international... Yeah, I, I understand that, but how can you reform it if the United States weaponizes sanctions against countries it politically doesn't like all around the world. And the United States is the biggest uh, economy, not by PPP. Well, I think uh, clearly there are a lot of issues, a lot of problems with the WTO, including the standoff uh, between some of the major heavyweights that are members of the WTO, including more broadly between the developed and the developing countries. Uh, but uh, there's no other way. I think um, uh, in building a new global economic architecture, these elements such as the WTO, such as the IMF, such as the World Bank are very much needed in order for this new construct to be, um, to be really for the benefit of, uh, of the global economy and to work uh, properly because these are multilateral institutions. There are imbalances. China, other developing countries are working together to fix them, but um, that, that's the only way. I think uh, working within, within these institutions um, to, um, to create a more equal, more uh, kind of inclusive uh, framework is, is really the only way for, for us going forward. Well, something is required, but surely, given that China is the biggest trading power, couldn't the Shanghai Cooperation Organization create its own type of WTO organization, excluding those powers that uh, are considered by the Global South belligerent and those that are trying to oppose them? There, there is indeed a lot of talk about the possibility of uh, mega regional arrangements, uh, some of the largest regional integration groups to essentially take over from, uh, from the WTO and uh, replace uh, that organization. But then if that is the case, uh, what we will end up with is most likely, uh, you know, just several regions essentially uh, driving uh, the whole um, effort rather than it being multilateral in the true sense as would be the case in an international organization. So my proposal is really for the WTO to be reformed in such a way that uh, it includes not just individual countries, but also regional blocs. Instead of vying for power um, for the WTO with these regional integration arrangements, why not work um, uh, together with them uh, for the benefit uh, of the global economy? Okay, I, I'm sorry to interrupt, but you can't do that, can't you, because of the sanctions policies over electronics and investment. I mean, in Britain, they sanction Huawei. In the United States, I don't know how many Chinese companies are sanctioned. Uh, Chinese uh, companies are sanctioned in Europe. I mean, Europe and the United States, NATO countries 
uh, cannot be part of that process. I mean, they've kind of sanctioned themselves that way. Do you think BRICS is prepared for the increased psyops in intelligence war? I mean, Lula was overthrown. He's been on this program about uh, the uh, overthrow uh, with Washington behind it, partly. South Africa has a $3 billion IMF debt warnings. In the week of the BRICS summit, they got warnings from the IMF. And, um, I mean, the EU, US, UK is all, all at all but war with China. Britain has sent its aircraft carrier there numerous times. There, the United States is sending weaponry uh, against China, bases all around it, and, of course, is at war in the proxy war in Ukraine against Russia. Well, my point is really that uh, the best that the BRICS can do and should do is to focus on their economic uh, vulnerabilities and uh, try to fix them. We see that um, apart from some of the debt issues, there are also economic growth issues in, 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 in most of the BRICS economies. So the way to reduce your vulnerability um, on the international stage is is really to reduce to the degree possible your economic imbalances. And this is something that needs to be more of a focus for the BRICS going forward. In my view, uh, in terms of the economic agenda, in terms of the financial market agenda, there's not enough presence of that in uh, um, some of the discussions that we've, uh, we've been seeing in the past several years within BRICS. Yaroslav Litovolik, I'll stop you there. More from the founder of BRICS Plus Analytics and former managing director at the Eurasian Development Bank after this break. Welcome back to Going Underground. I'm still here with the founder of BRICS Plus Analytics and former managing director at the Eurasian Development Bank, Yaroslav Litovolik. Yaroslav, in part one, you were telling me about how the fact that some of these BRICS economies that are in debt, uh, or at least Global South economies that want to join BRICS, need to uh, reform. Isn't the point that they shouldn't uh, in any way reform the way the IMF and World Bank tries to make countries reform at all and pursue, if anything, uh, I don't know, policies a bit like the Chinese Communist Party, which, of course, brought 800 million people out of po poverty directly against the kinds of uh, ideas that were emanating from the IMF and World Bank, uh, massive state investment into, uh, into uh, smaller units, but still keeping the idea of Chinese communism alive. Well, the, the whole idea behind uh, BRICS is precisely to create new options and to create scope for divergence in uh, the models of economic development that are pursued by uh, developing economies. So absolutely, the, the platform that is created by, uh, by BRICS and the format of BRICS Plus and institutions such as the New Development Bank, they create that scope for optionality and the possibility for um, developing countries to essentially choose uh, between, say, the conditionality that is coming from uh, the likes of the IMF or the World Bank or the options in terms of financing from the new institutions that are being created by BRICS and BRICS Plus. So this is, this is about the choice, this is about optionality, and this is precisely what the BRICS, uh, what the BRICS are doing. Um, at the same time, of course, uh, there, there will be, I think, uh, going forward, uh, inevitably a, a competition of sorts and uh, between say, the, the system of Bretton Woods institutions and the system of institutions 
that is uh, becoming more and more prominent coming from the BRICS. And I think that that kind of competition is maybe fruitful and maybe beneficial for the world economy. Historically, when any Global South leader tries to pursue uh, economies and economic strategies different to that uh, uh, basically uh, dealt out at the business schools of uh, elites in uh, Europe and uh, the United States, they get assassinated by the CIA. So what is the point of BRICS coming out with all these fruitful ideas of multipolarity, different ideas allowing different countries to seek their own ways, if as they ally, and as they converge on some, there must be some economic convergences, let alone for a dollar, if they don't have a military wing? Well, I think uh, the, um, the key to success really, I'm an economist, so from my side, the way I see it is... Well, you saw the Nord Stream. Joe Biden, according to see you saw the Nord Stream economically, what happened to Europe. Let, let me, let me uh, finish what I wanted to say. If, if you assemble a strong enough platform that has a lot of countries, as is seems to be increasingly the case with BRICS now and BRICS Plus, then you will have a center of gravity in the world economy that is increasingly attracting investment flows, trade flows. And, and this is essentially, I think, the goal for, uh, for the BRICS economies. Uh, listen to what Lula is saying during the BRICS summit. He's saying it's not about our antagonism with the West, it's about us trying to organize ourselves. And this is exactly the point. The, the developing world needs to organize itself and to render the alliances, the economic alliances that are out there more structured, just in, you know, in the same way that if you look at the developed economies, their alliances of you know, there are regional integration groups and others. They're, they're very, very structured, very competitive. The developing world, on the basis of the platform of BRICS Plus, they need to advance towards a, uh, an alliance framework. That Wait, I, sorry, I don't understand yours. How are they competitive? The, the alliance between the United States and Europe has been a disaster, arguably, for Europe. Germany is in recession partly because of United States policies. It's that alliance that has destroyed uh, economic growth in the past uh, 12 months. It's been a disaster for Europe, its alliance with the United States economically. Well, I mean, for, for Europe, uh, it may also be, um, you know, options that they will explore increasingly as they see that the BRICS economies are becoming more influential and increasingly become the center of gravity in the world economy, they will uh, have to uh, think twice about other alliances, the prioritization of other alliances. They will start according more importance to, uh, to the likes of BRICS. And I think, again, it's, um, it's important to keep uh, the door open for, you know, we, we said international organizations with Western participation, but also regional integration blocks. Um, and I think uh, when, uh, when I talked about the BRICS++ uh, framework that would um, allow for some Western participation, of course, during the first stages, I meant primarily, uh, you know, development institutions that would really pursue primarily more of a pragmatic economic agenda with the BRICS. We invite President Lula back on because some might say, I don't know. 
he, he, I mean, I may ask him whether he, sh he shows a certain naivety about that uh, ability for the United States to ignore the success of BRICS. Did you not uh, see that Xi Jinping looked angry uh, during his speech about uh, Western, uh, so-called Western imperialism over so many years, heralding BRICS in a, in a way that was far more antagonistic than what you heard from Lula? Well, I think uh, the Chinese... Let alone from what Vladimir Putin appeared to be saying. Yeah, I think the, the Chinese approach is always that of uh, patience. And uh, I think uh, patience is one of the keys to the success that the Chinese economy experienced in the, in the course of the past several decades. Yes, there, there will be, um, you know, conflicts. There will be frictions, contradictions with the West. But the way that um, you know, China takes it in stride and continues to press its agenda of inclusive uh, BRICS of, you know, I, I think from the statements that we're hearing from, uh, from China, it seems that they are actually open to the possibility of some Western participation further down the road in the longer term within the BRICS or the BRICS. <laughs> further down the road when their economies have collapsed, maybe. But in the interim, isn't it the case that actually China, some people are saying, are going to have trouble satisfying their own demand at home, given the, uh, I know in the, in, the, in the NATO nation press, they say China's in economic trouble. But uh, within China, there are obviously worries that, that it's going to uh, be able to produce enough goods just to supply its home markets. So why not just ignore Europe uh, and the NATO nation powers that many in the Global South believe have been responsible for so much killing and destruction over these past years, and trade between Africa, Latin America, Southeast Asia, and the uh, non-Washington-aligned Global South countries of uh, East Asia? The more options, the better. So uh, you shouldn't exclude uh, the uh, exports and... Uh, well, they're the ones excluding, in fairness. Sure, but at, at the same time, I think if you look at China, you see that uh, throughout uh, the, the, the past years, the emphasis has shifted in terms of the growth paradigm away from exports towards uh, domestic demand, towards services and other drivers, and of course, domestic consumption. Now, for, for a variety of factors, these drivers have, uh, have weakened somewhat, and there's a need, I think, for the Chinese economy to rediscover and explore again the possibilities of using exports as um, you know a supporting force in boosting economic growth. And in this regard, BRICS Plus is, is a major asset because it opens up uh, large markets of the global south to China's exports. And uh, these are the markets that are relatively closed in terms of the levels of import duties at the same time these are the markets that have uh, significantly higher growth rates than those of the developed economies. So I think for China, there may be a time in the near term when they rediscover the need to uh, forge ahead with um, greater exports abroad. Given that famously, given that famously Joseph Burrell, the EU foreign minister, said the rest of the world is a jungle and like the garden of Europe and uh, the United States and European uh, countries uh, consider themselves, well, the biggest threats to them are China. Uh, how do you expect them to sabotage 
all the plans of uh, BRICS leaders, BRICS committees, business de development committees? Uh, are they going to use propaganda to affect market sentiment? Or are they actually powerless except uh, for their militaries to sabotage the plans of the BRICS groups? Well, I think what uh, you've seen in terms of the approach to BRICS uh, in the past uh, was primarily essentially, um, you know, ignoring uh, BRICS in terms of their, um, you know, meetings, in terms of their agenda. Now, increasingly, I think this is something that is becoming more and more difficult uh, for the West simply because the agenda is so important and so critical uh, for the world economy as a whole and also for the uh, international financial markets. Um, the, the theme of R5, the, the BRICS currency, is, uh, is really the most important and the most widely discussed theme right now with respect to BRICS. Sorry to interrupt, but just on, on the R5, isn't Saudi Arabia the most critical member there? I mean, why, why do you think that we're not hearing more about Saudi representation at BRICS, given its uh, centrality uh, to the global energy uh, world we all live in? I'm a big proponent of Saudi Arabia joining BRICS because I think uh, clearly, first of all, this is a major, of course, energy player. So from the point of view of the longer term development of BRICS, this is, this is of course, a major asset. Uh, but um, uh, the most important thing that I see with BRICS is that each country represents a certain region of the global south. And so there is one region, one of the few regions that is left out by the BRICS in terms of coverage, if you will, of the core is the Middle East. And in the Middle East, the leading economy is uh, Saudi Arabia. So in terms of greater representation uh, of the global south, it makes complete sense for Saudi Arabia to join uh, the BRICS group. And how will the BRICS system and all these plans be affected if as is openly being spoken about now in the United States, a second military front against China is opened up in the next, who knows, the way they're talking, it seems to be, we seem to be months away from some sort of military confrontation in the South China Sea. How will that affect BRICS Plus? You know, I, I think that really the, um, the, uh, the guiding principle for BRICS needs to be to look through all of these difficulties, all of these challenges, and pursue a very ambitious and a very inclusive agenda with regard to BRICS Plus. You clearly saw that when uh, China relaunched the BRICS Plus uh, format last year, the uh, response from the Global South was tremendous. Tens and tens of countries uh, wanted to join the grouping in response. So I think that kind of inclusivity, openness with regard to the global south, and also greater pragmatism and boosting the economic prowess of, of BRICS Plus uh, will, uh, you know, position, I think, um, uh, BRICS uh, for far stronger position in terms of, um, in terms of not just the economy, but also international stature.
Yaroslav Lysavolik, thank you. And that's it for the show. We'll be back on Monday to see if there's life in the old empire yet with the officer who was until recently commanding general of the entire United States Army in Europe with some 100,000 troops. Retired U.S. Lieutenant General Ben Hodges ahead of the second anniversary of the U.S. defeat in Afghanistan. Until then, you can keep in touch via all our social media if it's not censored in your country and head to our channel, Going Underground TV on Rumble.com to watch new and old episodes of Going Underground. See you Monday.